Welcome to Conversations for Life, a marriage and family podcast from Cross Life with hosts Jonathan and Kathleen. Each episode, we sit down and talk about the things that matter most to those that matter most to you. We're so glad you're with us today. Please pull up a chair and join in the conversation. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Conversations for Life. Yeah, hey. Well, it's, it's great to be with you all. You know, it's Valentine's week and uh, we here at, at, at Conversations for Life, Kathleen and I, we thought, hey, what better week uh, to talk about something that really is at the heart of marital bliss and or wreck and ruin, depending on the, the situation. And uh, that's right, we're talking about intimacy and uh, intimacy in marriage, of course. And so here's the big question that we're going to be talking about today. Can two people who are married still be intimately in love with one another? You know, three years, seven years, 20 years, 40 years later, is it possible to have real intimacy in marriage? You know, I think intimacy, it's, it's a fascinating subject. Uh, for one thing, it's because at, at the end of the day, it's really what marriage is all about. It, it's really kind of what makes marriage marriage. You know, why do people want to be married so badly? And, and what is it that makes uh, that we, we, we put such a, a big emphasis on, on getting married. And, you know, there are 7 billion people in the world. Why in the heck do we want to spend all of life with one person? Well, of course, I think at the end of the day, a part of that is just intimacy. We crave that unity, that, that longing we have to be one with another, to have them have our heart in their hands and for our heart to be in their hands and to know that there's such closeness. And that's that's so much at the heart of marriage and no pun intended, I should say. And so, you know, this is why marriage is such a big deal and, and why this week is such a big deal. But, you know, the question is, is this feasible in marriage? Because I think the, the negative stereotype is, of course, in dating and, and during the romantic phase, maybe before kids, an early honeymoon period of, of marriage is possible. But then, you know, kids come along, job pressures, and poof, intimacy is gone. And so, you know, for a brief time, people feel this, this intimacy, but then the idea is kind of the rest of your life, you're just sort of stuck with each other. <laughs> yeah, as lifelong roommates or something like that, right? Um, yeah, so... I think the question that some people might be asking is, is intimacy in marriage just a mirage that disappears the minute you think you finally have it? Or you could even say, is intimacy something that's only possible when you're not married? You know, there's a lot of jokes out there about how love um, is a wonderful thing until you get married, and then that kills it. And um, I think some people accept this idea so readily that they don't want to get married. That's, you know, one hmm. possible reason. Um and I think that intimacy both draws and repels people because it is our heart's desire. That's how we were created, and we'll talk more about that later on. Um, but it's also vulnerable, and that can be scary in certain circumstances for certain people. So I think one key thing is looking at the, our ideas of what intimacy is because false ideas about it can play a role in the lack of intimacy in our marriage. Um, so what ideas... Did we have before we were married or in the early years of marriage? Or if we're not married, what ideas do you have now about what that means? Of course, you know, in this podcast, we're actually assuming that people do want intimacy. They, they do have that desire. And I think that's built into every human being. But sometimes we squash that out of a desire to protect ourselves. Um, so you know, I think some people are scared to death of really being known. 
And some people have never seen intimacy in their parents' marriage or in, in, in other close relationships uh, close to them. And so it's just a foreign concept. But if we assume that, that people do want intimacy in their marriage, what does it look like? Does it look the same for everyone? You know, we have all different temperaments and personalities and interests, and we're not identical. And as such, our marriages will not be identical either. Um, you know, there are marital relationships that I can't imagine that suit other people just fine. You know, they're quite happy. Uh, but there are some basic features of intimacy in marriage that we want to discuss to paint a picture of what we're talking about here. What is intimacy in marriage? So Jonathan, do you want to start us off with one of those features? Yeah, and you know, I think what you said, and we'll talk about more about this in, in a little while, I think one of the biggest factors why couples might struggle with intimacy in marriage is simply because they've never really seen it modeled. And their parents, they didn't see it modeled, and maybe in other folks in their life. And so they don't even know what it looks like. And that's part of what we're talking about uh, today. And you know, the first one is, is no surprise, but just physical closeness. You, know, you, can't, you can't be intimate um, as two people if you're not physically close. But this is, of course, a lot more than just sex. We're not just saying you know, that the intimacy is, is just in the bedroom. In fact, physical closeness as a human being, I, I, I know there's tons of research that shows how much people crave touch and how much people suffer when, when they're not touched, and, and even like babies and so forth. And, and same thing with adults, and especially in marriage. Physical closeness is not just sex in the bedroom. It's, it's just being, um, you know, those caresses on, 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 on the shoulder when you're going to work. It's hugs. It's holding hands at, at whenever you, you know, feel appropriate. I mean, these kind of small acts of physical closeness are also part of building intimacy in marriage. And, you know, for a lot of folks, including me, this was something that they rarely ever saw their parents do. Um, and it's something that, as a result, that they're not, maybe they don't do in their marriage. But just these things like caressing, touching each other, you know, gently during uh, a walk, hugs, uh, stroking your wife's hair, these kinds of things are, are one of the basic building blocks of intimacy. Yeah, and I think, as you said, um, not everyone saw this played out when they were growing up in their parents' marriage. And the thing about this physical touch, and we're talking about non-sexual physical touch as well, is that it's gentle and it's self-giving. It really requires slowing down and turning away from the world and all of its screaming, and it's focusing on something invisible but vital. You know, so you don't get a trophy for marital intimacy, but uh, you do get incredible joy, and you get a legacy passed on to your children of a strong, loving marriage, and a witness to the world about what God's love for His church looks like. So that's worthwhile. Well, so to go along with with physical affection is the second kind of almost no-brainer, but yet it's it's something that every married couple knows can be a struggle, which is just talking. You know, a husband and wife spending time together just conversing, and not just about, you know, what's going on and, and making decisions and solving problems, but just being husband and wife, just sitting down together, whatever that looks like in the evening after kids go to bed, on the weekend, during a walk, but just having time together to, to talk and to share, you know, what's going on, what share about uh, how your heart's doing, sharing about uh, whatever might be just something you want to talk about. But Actually spending time together, and this is key too, we'll talk about this more, and we're not talking about doing this with the TV on or while you're on the way to work or church in the morning. In other words, this isn't something that you're doing while you're doing something else. The whole point is this is just a, a focused time of just spending time together. It could be five minutes, 
It could be an hour, depending on the situation, but spending time together, just talking and, and, and connecting together is one of the most basic but vital aspects to intimacy in marriage. Yeah, and you know, some people like talking more than others. So some people process their day and their thoughts through talking, and they're just jumping up and down at the, at the idea of getting the chance to talk some more. Um, but some people process more inwardly. Uh, maybe they don't feel the same need to talk. And, um, but the thing is that everyone talks about what they love. That's just mm. universal. Even the most reserved person, if you can find the thing that they're passionate about, they will become eloquent and verbose. Just, you know, we gush about what we love. And um, so in marriage, with a person we love best and know best in the world, regular and meaningful conversation is something that we can all do. And that may take work if that hasn't been your practice. You may not be there right now, um, but that's something that you can build. And we'll talk about that at length later on. Um, you know, so we'll, we will be continuing to talk about how to build intimacy that's been lost or was never there. But right now, we're, we're just describing this intimacy. Well, you know, what's so crazy is that these two activities, physical affection and talking, they sound so simple. And yet I know for many couples, they can be a real struggle to have this happen. It could either be for external reasons, and we'll, we'll also get into this just with work. You know, if you're a husband or your wife, if, if either of you or both of you travel a lot for work, and of course, when you're in the thick of it with small children, it can just be so hard at the end of the day. When you, you finally get the kids to bed, your, your brain is turned to mush, and, and what do you do with that? But yet, it, it's so simple. You know, this isn't a big program. You don't need to go do some big extravagant thing, just sitting together and, and even, of course, combining the two together, you know, cuddling together on the couch and talking, you're doing both things or going for a walk and holding hands and just talking. These are, are ways you can actually do both at the same time, but it, it's vital for any couple if they want to, to cultivate intimacy in marriage to do these two basic things at the most basic level of, of just building that intimacy. Yeah, yeah, that's great. You know, just the idea of sitting on the couch together, holding each other, and um, it's simple. It's free. You know, it's something you can do anytime. <coughs> free, free, free. Yeah, right. Um, even just for a few minutes in the evening, or even if some one spouse is gone a lot, you uh, hopefully still have some minutes to together each day. Or you know, when they are home, this is something that you can do that doesn't require a ton of planning. It doesn't require a bunch of money or energy. But it's a very simple um, way to connect with one another and, and be building that intimacy. And, you know, I mean, the, the truth about it, Kathleen, is that uh, all of us, I think, or most of us probably know these are good things to do. You know, building intimacy in marriage and talking and, and being physically affectionate. Um, but at the end of the day, too, we also know how hard it is. And I think one of the, the biggest sort of elephants in the room that we have to talk about is is with intimacy, it means uh, turning off or shutting off things that are distracting us from spending time together. And, you know, growing up in my family, the TV was always on. It was at the center of the living room. During mealtime, it was on. It was pretty much on from the time, uh, you know, we all got together in the evening as a family from school and work and everything until bedtime. And so even though people might have talked here and there, the main focus was on TV. And I know for a lot of guys out there, this is something that we really need to hold ourselves accountable to because uh, whether it's video game screens, computer screens for work, TV screens, we're watching sports or whatever, sitcom or whatever, um, we can be hooked on our screens all the time. 
And we don't, you know, we don't realize that when we're saying yes to that, that we're saying no to spending time with our wife. And of course, the answer isn't, you know, turning all this stuff off and never doing any of that and spending all your time with your your your, your spouse. The point is, you need to be thinking through: Are you habitually avoiding time with your spouse? Are you habitually not spending quality time together, cultivating in- intimacy? Uh, because you're engaging in these other activities. Yeah, um, that's a good point about, you know, it's kind of the stereotype, but um, there's some truth in it. And and where men can allow some of these things like work or sports to get in the way of intimacy, women, you know, um, can allow the needs of children to do the same. Our children are really needy, especially when they're young. They're so physically needy. But even the older kids are also demanding in their own way. And sometimes I think as moms, we can be too attuned to our kids, um, just like keyed into every single thing and not disconnecting from that to some degree at any point in time. And that can be to the detriment of our marriage. Um, Or, you know, just at the end of a day, we're exhausted. We're so wiped out. We're so tired. And and that is is life. (laughs) With with parents, when, when you're a parent, being tired is just par for the course. But we can be paying attention to how much we're letting our kids be an excuse to not um, do the work that it takes to build intimacy. And that, that's a joyful work. That's not a burdensome work. So it does take effort, but there's reward inherent in the effort. Well, and you know, given that it is Valentine's Week, I think one, of the, one other thing we should mention that's sort of a feature of building intimacy in marriage is just... Taking time, as you as you said, you know, with with children and with other responsibilities, taking those, putting them on the shelf, and spending time as husband and wife uh, to prioritize the marriage relationship. And this doesn't mean just big fancy dates and and big spectacles and and you know spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. What it means is, <laughs> in because uh, otherwise we'd be in trouble. But what it means is, in both small ways and big ways, just. Just taking time to prioritize the fact that you, first and foremost, you're a husband and wife. You're not just co-laborers uh, as parents or as, as workers out there. You are husband and wife. And so, you know, leaving notes and, and flowers for no reason for your wife or little, um, just doing little things to show affection um, during the day, you know, depending on love languages and so on. Just small things. And then, of course, you know, celebrating birthdays and and whatever holidays, and, and, but, and going on dates on a regular basis. But the key here is it's not so much the activity as it is the mindset of finding little ways to prioritize the fact that you are husband and wife and doing things that will reflect that in, in the day-to-day life. Yeah, and so the, you know, I want to be clear. This is not just another admonition to have a date night. Uh, there's a lot of people that focus in on that, and that's great. You know, date nights are good, and we're going to get one this weekend, and I'm really excited. <laughs> it is great to get out of the house, away from the reminders of all the endless tasks. Um, but you know, cultivating into some intimacy is not what all the shows and movies say it is. It's not only these grand, extravagant, expensive events that make intimacy. In fact, those things are really just the icing on the cake. They're not the mm. cake itself. And so um, if we think that it's a requirement for intimacy to do all those big things, then we'll rarely do it because it takes more time and energy and money than we can give to it. Um, So what's critical is just weaving these things that you were talking about, Jonathan, uh, these ways of showing love and affection and um, closeness, weaving them into our normal week-to-week life. So it's pursuing intimacy in the small things. 
is how we develop deeper intimacy throughout marriage. So we have to ask, you know, if 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 these you know things, these, these activities are are hey, they're free and and they're somewhat easy to do, and, uh, and you know, on a on a practical level. And there's a lot of things we didn't talk about. And and uh, folks, if you're listening and you have some ideas, please shoot us a, a message and let us know. But but if if it is so easy in in a sense to do some of these things. Why is intimacy in marriage so hard? You know, what it, why does that stereotype exist? I think it exists for a reason. And, and so what is it about marriage, about intimacy, that seems to be so hard, even though practically some of the steps are quite simple? Yeah, and that's where the biblical story sheds a lot of light for us. You know, the story of humankind from the very beginning is told in the Bible, in Genesis. And when God places Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they're naked and they're unashamed, and that's a beautiful picture of intimacy mm. and vulnerability. Um, and God tells them that everything is theirs except for the fruit from one single tree. If they eat from that tree, it will bring death. And, of course, they, they do. They eat it. And the first thing they do is they hide from God because they know that they're naked and they're ashamed of it. And that's more than just physical nakedness. You can see that in that, um, in that narrative, it's... It's talking about the soul nakedness. Their, right. their whole soul is bare before God. And it was before, but now that sin has entered the world, they're not okay with that like they used to be. And, um, of course, God still finds them, and he asks what they've done. And Adam turns on Eve, and he blames her for the whole debacle. And so from the very beginning of sin, you know, at the fall, there's this dynamic within marriage where sin shatters the natural intimacy that God designed us mm. to want. You know, God designed marriage to fulfill that desire for intimacy, and our craving for oneness and complete trust with a husband or wife is not wrong at its core. It just might be twisted by sinful thoughts and tendencies, but the desire itself was put there by God and intended to be fulfilled within marriage. And so um, we see in Genesis 2, when Adam meets Eve, and they're married, and he says, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And so you can just see the... And that's before uh, they've sinned. That's before the fall. So you can see this oneness together and this delight and this joy. And so when Adam and Eve hide after eating the fruit that was forbidden... They're showing that one of the immediate consequences of sin is that it shatters intimacy with God and with each other. And so the reason, biblically speaking, why intimacy is so hard is because of sin. Instead of this closeness and this, this uh, intimacy being natural, we now have to work really hard against our sinful flesh in order to cultivate that. Yeah, and because it's because of the fall, it's not like there's just one specific act that a husband or wife can commit that's going to shatter the intimacy. You know, it's not like, oh, if you break this commandment, then intimacy is going to be shattered. It's the idea that the whole dynamic of intimacy in marriage has been shattered. And, and, and now that means that, you know, whereas before the fall, Adam and Eve had, you know, they had complete intimacy. And there was no fear. They could be, uh, as the text says, you know, they were naked and unashamed. And then Immediately after they eat the fruit, it says they, they saw their nakedness and they hid themselves. And I think this is really where, for one of the core reasons that intimacy is so hard in marriage related to the sin and the fall, is just the aspect of fear. That, that because of the fall, there becomes such a, a latent sense of fear that all of us have of being seen 
in our nakedness. And that means, as you already uh, mentioned, it's not just our physical nakedness. It's everything. It's being seen for who we really are, being mm-hmm. seen through and yeah. through. There's nothing to hide. There's nothing, you know, there's nowhere to go. And in marriage, that's what intimacy involves. It's, it's knowing each other as you really are, as you truly are, seeing everything. And every one of us as human beings, because of the fall, has a deep residual sense of fear of what happens even when my spouse sees me for who I really am, when, when, they, when they get to know who I truly am. And that's, that fear, I think personally, is one of the biggest factors for why people avoid intimacy. They don't say that. No one goes around saying, oh, well, I'm afraid of being intimate, so I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z. They just make a million little choices that essentially run from intimacy because they're afraid. Yes, exactly. That is a really good point. Um, that fear is at the heart of pulling away from intimacy. That's what, you know, where there once was intimacy naturally between God and us and between us and other people, now there's fear driving us apart and repelling us from vulnerability, from being bare before our spouse. Right. So instead, we work to protect ourselves, to cover ourselves, mm. you know, because we, we have, you, you mentioned these fears and these, um, these gnawing fear. And I think that the questions we're asking ourselves subconsciously is, what if they turn on me? What if they betray me? What if they hurt me? You know, if I'm bare before them, if I am, if I let myself be truly known, what if they reject me and they're not there for me? And that's a terrifying thought, you know, and that's, so that may not be something that we live with on the surface all of the time, but because of the fall, it's something that all of us have somewhere inside us. And so that makes vulnerability, that makes intimacy harder. It makes it, um, something that's not so natural, actually. And, um, and, that, and that's also, that fear is also at the heart of some really good counseling approaches to marriage. When we find ourselves pulling away from our spouse in a particular way, whether it's something inherently sinful like pornography or adultery, or something that's okay, but it easily becomes a substitute for int- intimacy like TV or video games, when we see that happening, we have a question to ask ourselves. We need to say, how am I using this activity or choice to run away and hide from my spouse? And that's a key question. It's something we have all done in some way or another. And that's a really good point, especially as we think about uh, you know, what's going on on the surface might look perfectly fine or perfectly normal, but underneath the surface, there's, there's something going on that is actually destructive to intimacy in marriage. And there's, there's a whole bunch of additional things we could, we could talk about from the Bible, and if we had more time, I would. But you know, I'd love to hear, Kathleen, from you, just some thoughts about how, how can we learn from the counseling world as well in terms of, of you know, cultivating intimacy in marriage. Yeah, and, and there's some things that really connect well with what we know to be true from Scripture. Um, some, there's a clinical psychologist named Sue Johnson who has come up with an approach to marriage through the lens of attachment theory, and she calls it um, emotionally focused therapy, or EFT. <clears throat> and it's well-backed by research, and it has the really high and consistent positive outcomes for marriage counseling. Mm. And... Um, we actually will be doing kind of a series on this, on Conversations for Life coming up, so you can stay tuned for that. But right now I'm just going to read a quote from her book. It's called Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. And she relates our struggles in marriage to our core need for intimacy. And it's, it's a long quote, but it's just so good. Um, and it just explains this so well. And so I'm just going to read this out here. 
So um, this is from Sue Johnson, quote, attachment theory teaches us that our loved one is our shelter in life. When that person is emotionally unavailable or unresponsive, we face being out in the cold, alone and helpless. We are assailed by emotions, anger, sadness, hurt, and above all, fear. This is not so surprising when we remember that fear is our built-in alarm system. It turns on when our survival is threatened. Losing connection with our loved one jeopardizes our sense of security. We all experience some fear when we have disagreements or arguments with our partners. But for those of us with secure bonds, it's a momentary blip. The fear is quickly and easily tamped down as we realize that there's no real threat and that our partner will reassure us if we ask. For those of us with weaker or fraying bonds, however, the fear can be overwhelming. We are swamped by what neuroscientist Yak Pansep of Washington State University calls primal panic. Then we generally do one of two things. We either become demanding and clinging in an effort to draw comfort and reassurance from our partner, or we withdraw and detach in an attempt to soothe and protect ourselves. No matter the exact words, what we're really saying in these reactions is, notice me, be with me, I need you. Or, I won't let you hurt me, I will chill out, try to stay in control. Hmm. These strategies for dealing with the fear of losing connection are unconscious, and they work, at least in the beginning. But as distressed partners resort to them more and more, they, sit up, they set up vicious spirals of insecurity that only push them further and further apart. More and more interactions occur in which neither partner feels safe, both become defensive, and each is left assuming the very worst about each other mm. and their relationship. If we love our partners, why do we not just hear each other's calls for attention and connection and respond with caring? Because much of the time, we are not tuned into our partners. We are distracted or caught up in our own agendas. We do not know how to speak the language of attachment. We do not give clear messages about what we need or how much we care. Often we speak tentatively because we feel ambivalent about our own needs. Or we send out calls for connection tinged with anger and frustration because we do not feel confident and safe in our relationships. We wind up demanding rather than requesting, which often leads to power struggles rather than embraces. Some of us try to minimize our natural longing to be emotionally close and focus instead on actions that give only limited expression to our need. The most common, focusing on sex. Disguised and distorted messages keep us from being exposed in all our naked longing, but they also make it harder for our lovers to respond, mm. end quote. And that was from Sue Johnson's book, Hold Me Tight. And that's a really wonderful book. And you'll notice, you know, some of the things that we were just talking about, about fear um, being at the heart of this, about this naked longing, you know, that, that comes straight from Genesis. We have this longing to be naked before one another, not just our bodies. Uh, you know, that can be a, a substitute for real intimacy, but for our, our very souls to be naked before one another and to be safe and secure in that nakedness. And, um, and just the way that she talks about the sort of, you know, in that fear, we can sometimes respond with anger or demanding or withdrawal or, you know, a number of different uh, not very helpful responses instead of what we long for, which is or, or instead of requesting what we long for, which is that closeness and saying, mm. please be there for me. Please be here with me. And so 
um, as I said, we're gonna we're gonna be going over this book actually some more in, in later episodes. So definitely stay tuned for that, and um, we'll have some guests who can share from their expertise and their experience about this topic as well. Well, and and so basically, intimacy that we've been talking about today is essentially. Uh, you know, using Sue Johnson's language, you know, we, all of us have this core need um, to love and be loved. And in the context of marriage, we need to know that the other person is there for us. That's what we long to know each and every day. Are you there for me today? And, and to hear them say, yes, I'm here for you. And, and that really is what intimacy is all about. And it, it, it comes across in a million different little ways and in some big ways, but it is at the heart of marriage. And it's also, because of the fall, um, it is something that, that is very challenging because we have this fear of, of uh, even though we want it so much, we also have this contrasting fear of what will, they, what will happen. And I think, too, we have to, we have to also talk about trauma. We haven't talked about that much, but the reality is not only do we see, you know, in Genesis 2 and 3 and what's going on there, but in our own lives, we have given our hearts to people who have crushed them. And in some cases, that might be a parent. It might be, who knows what it might be. I mean, for every one of us, in big ways and small ways, we've extended trust to someone and we were betrayed and we were hurt. And that's why, honestly, intimacy can be so difficult for, for folks. It's not just because of the, you know, the biblical grounding of, of sin in the fall. That has played itself out in our own lives that when we have trusted people, we have been betrayed. And, and that, that leaves a sting that you know, in one bad response that many people develop from that is, I will never trust someone like that again. I'll never be that naive. I'll never be that childish. And so even within marriage, we'll protect ourselves because we're afraid, what if that person hurts me? What if they betray me? Yeah, you know, and, and um, if you have experienced this kind of trauma, you know, and that, as you said, that can be a big serious ways, or it can be just like a thousand little taps from a hammer, you know. Um, But either way, those traumas really affect your ability to cultivate intimacy. You know, if you've had abuse by someone in in your family, a close family member, or any kind of sexual assault or other kind of intimate-based trauma, um, that it can be paralyzing. You know, you can feel like, I can't possibly trust someone. You know, even... um, being intimate with your husband, even if you know that he is loving and trustworthy and a good man, it can it can certainly be very scary to put your trust in him if you've had that trust betrayed mm. by other men in the past, other you know romantic partners or a father or someone like that. And you know that's that's a very big topic that we will come back to at some point. But just briefly now, I would say that this does you don't have to stay in that place of fear and paralysis. Mm, right. Healing is very hard work, but it is possible and it is worth it. And um, you know, in my own life I've seen that happen that by the power of God and through his common grace, goodness through counselors and through um, lots of resources, you can heal from these kinds of traumas and um you know, with help from your church and loved ones and God, most of all, you can develop the ability to trust another and to develop intimacy with them. So um, we're, we're, we are running out of time. I want to close with just a few practical steps and uh, based on wherever you might be. Uh, the first thing is just if you're out there and you're saying, you know what, 
I don't think I have any real intimacy in my relationship with my with my spouse. And, you know, I'm not talking about external things, like you go on a date or he gives you flowers. But, you, you know, if, if, if you, uh, no matter whether you're the husband or wife, if you're saying, you know, in my marriage, I don't feel like we're close at all. I don't feel like we're really that unity that they talk about intimacy. I don't experience that at all. Well, then let me just encourage you that you really should seek out help. Uh, of course, your pastor it should be a first line of defense for you to go and 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 have some time with your pastor and share with with him uh, what you're experiencing in your marriage. And then beyond that, though, as I would say, I would encourage you to reach out to a counselor and to maybe begin to get uh, seek some some regular counseling in your marriage. Because if that is you, if you're saying I don't really feel like I have intimacy in my marriage. I just want to say that from a biblical standpoint, that's not normal. That's not healthy. It's not okay. And even if you're functioning in life and you're able to hold down your jobs and pay your bills and get the kids off to school, that doesn't matter. If your marriage is not intimate, if you're not growing in closeness together, then then that is a huge red flag. And even if you can sort of function now, eventually, those, those million little decisions to continue to avoid intimacy will end up having major consequences. And so whether you've been married for two months or 20 years, if you're saying, I just don't feel like we, my, my wife and I or my husband and I that we have intimacy in our marriage, I would encourage you to begin to seek out some help. And don't just feel like you're all alone and don't feel like, oh, people will judge you if you, if you don't do it. And um, I would just add, too, you know, this is... Um you know, a lot of different people um, are listening to this right now, and people come from a lot of different situations. If you're in a marriage that isn't safe, um, a marriage where you really shouldn't uh, allow yourself to be open and vulnerable with your spouse, then that's a different matter, and that's something where you you do need to get help, not in order to try and get uh, have deeper intimacy, but to first establish safety. Um, that would be a first. Uh, Absolutely. Need in a marriage where there's abuse happening or just rampant untrustworthiness to whatever, you know, in, in whatever case. So I just wanted to add that in. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Thank you, Kathleen. And um, you know, secondly, if you're saying, well, you know, my spouse and I, we have some intimacy in our marriage, but we haven't really been intentional about developing it. Well, I would, I would encourage you, you know, and your spouse that you need to be intentional about developing intimacy because there are, are our own sinful desires and the pressures of the world will over time pull us apart. And so we have to be intentional about developing intimacy in our marriage. And uh, you know part of that it means reading great books like um, you know hold me tight and and thinking through those things and talking with our spouse about them. but it also means just, yeah, having those conversations with your spouse and saying, what does intimacy look like for us? And how can we make sure that we are being intentional about cultivating it? Yeah, and one last thing. You know, if you're a couple who has been married for some time and you do experience meaningful intimacy in your marriage, let us encourage you to start mentoring and discipling other couples in your church. That is an incredible gift that you have to offer to others. And it's a big need for younger couples who maybe didn't grow up in homes where they saw a healthy marriage at play. They're trying to figure it out um, now, and they might be too embarrassed to ask anyone for help. Um, you know, you don't need a program or a workbook to do this, but if you can just be with them, walk along with them down this path that you've already gone, and let them see and experience um, 
the way that your marriage works, that is an incredible gift. And that is a way that you can be building up marriages in your church and in your community and making a difference that will last for Mm. generations. Yeah, I think, you know, it it can be so easy. And this is something we've talked about. It can be so easy for couples who have uh, walked down a, a path and have developed certain habits in their marriage to forget that for many people out there, they don't know the things that maybe you know. They haven't learned the things that maybe you've learned. And so you need to realize there's a lot of couples who would crave and love to have your shepherding, your insight, and just your help with their own marriage. And, uh, you know, it's been a great uh, podcast, Kathleen. I hope that you've uh, been enjoying it. I have. You know, we, um, we, are, we are big fans of intimacy and marriage, and we know that it takes a lot of work, but that the, the fruit of it is, is truly a, a meaningful, beautiful marriage. And my wife and I, I think I can say, you know, when I was a kid, I was so worried about marriage because I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, you're stuck with someone for your whole life, and they're going to know you, and it's just going to be lots of pain and, and no intimacy. And, and, you know, one is sort of the fairy tale, and I have to say that that through the power of God, it is possible to have a marriage that does, even with all the brokenness of myself and, and with Kathleen and even with the things that we do to hurt, to hurt each other unintentionally and even sometimes intentionally, that despite all of that, that we have grown closer together over the last 11 years. And I will, can say that I love you more now than ever. And I think that that's possible for any marriage, no matter where you're at today. Uh, Folks, you guys have a great day. Enjoy your Valentine's week. Take care and God bless. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. If you'd like to find out more information or get additional resources, please visit our website at www.crosslifetoday.org. You can also find us on Facebook as Cross Life Resources and on Instagram. Until next time, take care and God bless.